Join us this week on Sporting Journal Radio. We'll find out what's new in the trail cam world. Trent Marsh and Tanner Cherney from Spy Point will explain. This is like National Geographic, like, she's dinner now. Joe Henry caught walleyes recently on Lake of the Woods. We'll find out what he used to catch them. We ended up whacking a bunch of walleyes there. Eric Osberg explains where you can find bass in Ottertail County. There's just, there's some giant bass up here. Journal Radio. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. That's a new personal best bike here. Now here's your host, Brett Amundsen. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by watching this on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever. Thank you very much for being with us. we got a lot to get to. Some fishing reports. How are guys catching walleyes right now? We'll find out. How are guys catching bass? We'll find that out as well, too. Uh, Joe Henry and Eric Osberg have some reports for us. And we're going to dig into the latest in the trail cam world. There's a new flex camera from Spy Point. Trent Marsh and Tanner Cherney will explain all the benefits. Basically, they put every every complaint or issue they've ever heard of about a trail camera, they fixed it and put it into this camera. They're very excited about it, and they're going to tell us about it coming up here in just a little bit. That's Dan Amundsen right over there. Dan, how are you doing? Doing well. Who are this week's sponsors? This week's show is brought to us by Haybill Heights. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at haybillheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Camp Grayling. Catch the Grand Slam in Saskatchewan. Lake Trout Pike Grayling and Walleye Fish Camp Grayling this summer. On X, nor you stand with On X. Mid Migration Outfitters, hunt waterfall at a heated 10 man pits and comfortable blinds. Learn more at midmigrationoutfitters.com and Prairie Sportsman to watch episodes from last season or any season at the new Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel on YouTube. <laughs> That's where it is. Hey, I fish and always will. I hunt and always will. If you feel the same way, support us and show off your pride for the outdoors with an iFish, iHunt hoodie, hat, or new in the Sporting Journal radio store. We got buffs coming out for this summer when it's out there. You know, I always used to make fun of guys when these buffs started to become real popular. I made fun of guys for wearing these things that have skulls on them or some you know, hardcore scene. And I, you know, it seemed kind of a douchey thing. Now I like wearing them because A, the sun is so bad for you. And when you're out there fishing all day, you can always tell who the fishing guides are because they got the sunglass tan lines, right? Or the guys that fish all the time. Uh, too much sun, terrible for you. Uh, we've got history of melanoma in our family. So I'm all about protecting my face now. And you can tell usually every year after these trips up to Tazan Lake in Saskatchewan, after being in the boat all day, every day for a couple, for you know, for a week, two weeks, whatever it is, my face is just raw from sunburn, windburn, bugs, whatever the case may be. So I protect it now and I wear one of those buffs and a nice cool white one. It's real light, thin material, so you're not gonna roast in it either. You can get them right now at the Sporting Journal Radio store. Find it online at sportingjournalradio.com. Big show for you this week. We're getting into trail cams right after this. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. 
Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. All right, well, it's that time of year. People are thinking about fishing, but it's never too early to start thinking about fall a little bit. And maybe you're maybe you're planning food plots. You're starting your land management projects. Maybe you've already been on them for quite a while. Uh, but trail cameras have become more and more a part of that process. And I've never been one to set them out too early in the year. Well, I guess I've been leaving leaving a few of them out year round nowadays, but I'm going to start adding more earlier in the year just to kind of see what's going on. Also, I just like to see wildlife all year round. So whether it deals with my fall pursuits or not, I just like, I like, you know, check out when the fawns are being born, see what other wildlife is out there walking around. And we're going to talk about trail cameras right now. Uh, we got Trent Marsh and Tanner Cherney from Spy Point with us joining us on the show. How you fellas doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Tanner, you were doing a little bit of fishing recently. I have been. You know, spring in the Dakotas is a great time to get, obviously, trail cameras out, but uh, tough to beat spring walleye bite. Yeah, you, you, were on, you, were up, you were up on Devil's Lake recently, weren't you? I was. I was up there a little over a week ago, and things are just starting to get going. Water temps are rising. Or, yeah, water temps are rising. Good spring runoff, so uh, it's go time. You know, I mean... When you talk about water levels rising, Devil's Lake is, it's almost synonymous with high water for the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. But since they've put in some more, uh, uh, the uh, the outflows and whatever, they put some more water control structures and, and different measurements to help control that, pot, that that lake level just a little bit. It's It hasn't been as bad, but this year, that whole, I mean, that whole stretch up to Canada, that Red River stretch has been a nightmare this year. And I was curious what it was like up at Devil's Lake. Yeah, the overland flooding has been insane in the eastern half of North Dakota and western half of Minnesota. But yeah, I, right now, I want to say the last I heard from a report was the lake was going to rise about four, four and a half feet this spring with the influx of water coming from the Canadian border and just the amount of moisture we had with the crazy winter we had up here in uh, northern North Dakota. Yeah, tough, tough sled. And how was fishing? It was good. It's, uh, you know, we're kind of about three weeks behind, just like everything with planting up here with uh, the food plots, um, the row crops that are going in. I mean, fishing is just the same thing where we're probably uh, right now at the beginning of a main bite when we should be typically getting ready for the June bite. So everything comes in due time, but uh, things are just starting to get rolling and um, that pitching and bobber bites uh, right around the corner. Well, I, uh, I would like to try to get up there this summer. You got to love Devil's Lake. Uh, but you're working with Spy Point now, of course. You spent a lot of time up in Devil's Lake, and now you're with, you've been with Spy Point for a while now, I guess. But, Trent, I want to ask you about this new camera with Spy Point, the Spy Point Flex. That's the new big product from Spy Point this year, right? Yeah, we, uh, we launched the Flex at ATA in January, uh, and it, it was the reception was warm. You know, it's it's been fun. Uh, a lot of the products that we've rolled through here, uh, they've they've been a pleasure to promote. But man, the Flex is uh, you know I'm I'm a marketer and I I like it when my job is easy and <laughs> promoting the Flex is easy. It, it just it's been pretty much the response we got from everybody at ATA and Shot Show was you know every concern I've ever had with a cellular trail camera, every issue I've ever had the flex is working to address that. So whether it's the dual SIM or, you know, the 33 megapixel and the 1080p video with sound, um, over the air, uh, firmware updates, it just test and, and format buttons. Like it's, it's literally, if you've had an issue with a, a cellular show camera, the flex is addressing it. It's, it's fun to see. 
Well, I want to I want to walk through all those things that you just mentioned, but it's just aesthetically looking at it, it looks like a cool camera. I'm not going to lie; it looks like a Star Wars fan designed it. Uh huh. Little, little kind of Mandalorian ish kind of a you know. It looks like it might be something different from Tatooine. Yeah, there's a little bit of a helmet, a little bit of a helmet look to it, maybe. Yeah, I like it. It's cool. So um, let's let's run through some of these things because. You know, it's, it's, you know, say what you want about social media, but people love sharing pictures and videos. And mm-hmm. even if you don't like sharing that stuff, just being able to have a better image to look at. Like, I, you know, you go back a few years and you're looking at grainy photos. Is that a, is that 10 points on that? Is that outside? Mm-hmm. The, you know, you're trying, you're zooming in. It's getting all grainy and pixelated. Having 33 megapixels, uh, that's, that's, nice, that's a nice sensor. That's a nice camera. It is. It's uh, that's a huge step forward. And and the other thing, too, and, and this is a question we get often, it's it's an education point frequently is you're not getting 33 megapixels in the app. Um, it's we've all sat in a tree stand and we've all tried to send a picture to a buddy on our phone. And just like our cameras, we are not hunting in the best location. The cell signal is not great. And we can watch that battery drain and that Mm -hmm. little progress bar get to like 80% and then message failed. Try sending us text message. Right. So now imagine doing that for a 200 photo batch. (laughs) So we can't, we can't send every photo as the full image. So they're going to be a compressed thumbnail. So what you're going to see in the app, you know, it's, it's obviously you can tell that there's deer, you can tell it's a buck, depending on how it's set up, you can, you can see it pretty well, but being 33 megapixels, even that compressed photo is going to be better. Um, So not only whether it's the high res version that you request or when you pull the card, but even what shows up in the app, you're going to see a lot of improvement there in, in what that, uh, what that photo looks like. So it's sending, uh, a lower resolution image to your to the app, but can you you can request uh, a high high quality image yep. to be sent? Yep, you can do. Uh, you know, all of our Insider Club members get fifty full free HD downloads uh, with their membership a year, but you can also purchase uh, packages. So fifty full HD downloads for just five bucks, and then when you get that picture, and I don't know how it works that the big deer are able to identify the camera. They go to the internet, they figure out flash and detection range. And when that flash range is 80 feet, they stand at 84 and a half feet. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they manage to do that, but it's never the big deer that come up 18 feet from the camera, stand broadside, give you a profile, give you a head on the full mug shot. They don't do that. So yeah, when you, you know, you see something in the photo and it's just outside of the flash range or whatever the case may be, you can request that full HD download and then that will replace the low res thumbnail, uh, in your, in your gallery to be able to see, see that image a little bit better. Well, I don't know how, I don't know how they know that, but that's why they got that big. (laughs) Uh It's not accidental. It is not accidental. You know, in HD video, obviously in the world that I live in where I work with video so much and I'm making TV shows, I love having HD video coming from my trail camera because I'm working trail camera video and, and photos into TV shows all the time. So that's that's kind of nice. 1080p and the sound and having the sound, too, because, I, you mm-hmm. know, being some of the sounds that you hear, you know, where when it's just from a trail camera you're out in the middle of nowhere it's not sounds you hear anywhere else but maybe you know the discovery channel or or exactly animal planet or something 
Yep, and and we are going to be transmitting those videos now as well. So you know we've we've always transmitted the the photos, but now you're actually going to be able to receive uh, similar to what you're doing with the full HD um, photos. You're going to be able to get those videos as well right into the app. And in the past, you've had to have different cameras for different uh, cell carriers, different companies, but this will work yep. with with whoever. Yeah, that's honestly, this is, that's the most exciting thing about the Flex is uh, we were the first ones to introduce this true dual SIM concept. So both, we've got two SIM cards that are both coming pre-installed, pre-activated. So there is no more worrying about carrier model. Uh, it's just, it's, you're going to turn it on and it's going to check the first card. And if it finds usable signal, great, it'll connect to that and it'll go down the road. If not, it'll roll over to that other card. It'll find a signal there. So if, if, if there is a usable signal, it's going to find it. But what the Flex does that takes it even the next step further is it's constantly monitoring because both cards are in the camera. There's been some other manufacturers that they'll send you both cards, but you have to select the card and then call customer service or whatever the case may be. But both cards aren't in there all the time. Because both cards are in there, the Flex is constantly monitoring the performance of the network. And if it drops below a certain threshold, then the flex will automatically go over and say, all right, let's check the other SIM card and see if we can't do better over here. Hmm. And if it can, then it'll make the switch. And if not, it, it won't, it'll stay where it's at with the best signal that it has, but it's doing all that automatically. So you don't have to worry anymore. You know, the, the guys from backwoods life, uh, we've talked about it before. They've got, uh, their lease in Georgia, literally one side of the Creek is AT&T and the other side of the Creek is Verizon. <laughs> so even on the same farm, they can't use like they, how often do you move cameras? You're moving them all the time, but they have to know, well, this is a Verizon that has to be on the West side of the Creek or the North side of the Creek. Now they're just gonna be able to move cameras wherever they want to take them and never have to worry about it. So it's in terms of how much easier it's going to be to deploy those cameras, um, how much how much quicker it's going to make the deployment of those cameras, and just how much easier it's going to make uh, getting those cameras into the field. It's uh, that dual sim is is really really exciting. Well, for guys that I mean, some guys are moving those cameras around a lot, and some guys just like to put a camera and don't, you know, if you put it in your refuge on your property or whatever you're trying mm -hmm. to manage, you don't want to go in there at all. It's it's nice to be able to get high res stuff sent to your app, and then mm -hmm. you can also update the firmware through the app. Yeah, we we're going to be able to do a remote firmware update as well. So not only is getting the camera into the woods and set up easier than ever but now keeping it working throughout the entire year is easier than ever too. So you're going to be able to push those OTA updates uh, right to the camera. You're no longer going to have to put that onto an SD card and swap that SD card out. Uh, so again, makes my job easy. Uh, yeah. all, all the things that, that people, and I don't, you know, I put it out, but I don't really want to go change the firmware. I don't want to go back in there. Guess what? Now it's another problem we've solved. Yeah, so is all this just from brainstorming ideas or some customer feedback or all the above? All the above. I mean, we've the amount of time and effort and research that went into answering the questions and answering the calls from our customers and our influencers and our pro staffers it's it's been it's been fun to see. It's you know, this was not a pro, a product that we built in eight months. The the arc on building this product has been coming for a long time with a lot of feedback from users to make sure that 
you know, the, the features that they liked, they were getting, but then also the things that had been pain points and the things that had been kind of a barrier to use in the past that we were, you know, making that as easy as possible. It was really, the goal was autonomy. How autonomous can we make this camera? How set it and forget it can we make a camera? And, you know, it's, it's not truly set it and forget it, but it's, it's really just about as close as you can get, I think. And you, you can take photos, videos, and uh, time lapses. There's uh, four capture modes on it. Yeah, so there, there's photo, video, time lapse, and then we also have time lapse plus. So traditionally, when you use time lapse mode, then your your detection sensor is essentially turned off. It's just it's okay. You want to take pictures every 15 minutes? We'll take pictures every 15 minutes. But Bigfoot can walk by at minute seven back to when bucks know where that flash range goes, they somehow know not to stand there at the scheduled time when that photo is going to be taken. So in time-lapse plus, you've got your time-lapse times, but also your trigger is staying active as well. So anything that, mm. any detection that would trigger the camera, you're going to get those in line as well. Interesting. So, I mean, that's kind of the best of both worlds then at that point. Mm -hmm. What I mean, what's going to do to make this thing better? What's going to be next? Yeah. I'm thinking if it could start printing money, um, you know, uh, in, integral scent uh, elimination, you know, there, there's probably something we could do. But like I said, it was one of those things where standing there at ATA and, and walking people through and watching Tanner walk people through, they just kind of stood there and looked at you and said, well, uh, cool. <laughs> again i i i like my job to be easy and and it makes it easy because everything you ever hear from anybody we've pretty much addressed so you need you need a dispenser that drops like a doenestrus and then an ozone block like ozone shield coming uh -huh. out of the other side uh-huh that would that would be just about i'm here it. to help I, again, we're, we're already working on the next thing. So, uh, no, no idea is a bad idea. Uh, and then can you hook up, uh, like a solar panel to this solar charger? Yeah. So you can, uh, it's got a 12 volt battery port in it, just like, uh, all the rest of our cameras. So what you can hook it up to an external battery pack and then you can hook a solar panel up to that external battery pack. So, um, yeah, if you want to, if you got a place you want to let this thing soak, you know, we, we've missed, you kind of said in the open or in the opening that, you know, you, you've been starting to put them out a little bit earlier and starting mm -hmm. to leave some cameras out all year long. And that's, that's something that, um, even before I got to spy point, I was starting to do more of, but especially now in the fall, obviously it's hunting season. So I've got them out during hunting season, but then, uh, I've gotten into trapping the last few years. So monitoring those predator uh appearances on cameras especially in the late season doing a lot of that and by then i'm like well okay now i'm going to leave them out because i want to i don't want to go traipsing around looking for sheds until they actually start dropping so i'm leaving them out watching for sheds and then that kind of becomes my camera maintenance window is from the end of shed season to turkey season or when the fawns start dropping because then I want those cameras back out there to either be watching for those birds or I want to start watching fawn recruitment. I want to start watching for the does that maybe she has triplets or twins, but then she loses one or two of those fawns. Again, goes back to monitoring the predators and where am I going to run traps this year and all that kind of thing. And then by the time fawns are through, now the bucks are putting enough growth on that I want my cameras back out there. So there's really about a 
a three to a six week window where I'm bringing all my cameras in, I'm running my uh, yearly maintenance on them, but then they're going right back to the woods. I mean, they're, they're not getting me pictures of anything in the garage. And, and honestly, at this point, so many of the, my favorite photos and even like what Tanner's running through social and stuff, my favorite photos aren't the deer photos. It's, you know, skunks fighting or (laughs) a cool hawk photo or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's, it's those other, you know, those crazy turkey success photos that we see, you know, those are the ones that I like seeing. And, you know, if they're just on the, on the deer pattern, then you're going to miss a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That was, that was me walking back with my turkey this year. Um, Rubbing in that I didn't get a bird. I I appreciate that. (laughs) That was, that was great. Man, it was a tough season this year, and we don't need to get a sidetrack on turkeys or anything. But we like we we spent eight days doing this uh, trip with my buddy Corey down to Missouri and Nebraska, and we hunted hard. And uh, it was kind of about hunting with ticks and wearing some clothing with permethrin and insect shield in it to see how it would do. But man, the turkeys were tough. And, you know, I just struggled. We shot a couple birds down there. And then I came back to Minnesota where it's been a real challenge to shoot a turkey. And I shot my turkey in about five minutes this year. Like it was the easiest turkey hunt I've ever had. So you just never know with those birds. I'm talking to people like it really seemed like that was the case across the country. Um, talk, I'm in northeast Indiana and there were a lot of guys that they just punted on the season in general. Because even, you know, preseason scouting places where you could go and there'd be five, eight, 10, 15 gobblers, they could sit for a day and hear one or two got like it just it's it's been a problem. It was something um, we actually had uh, one of the guys from NWTF on to talk about to uh, help the Yelp uh, on the Spy mm-hmm. Point podcast earlier this spring, because I, I think it's something that we're seeing a lot of places Um those recovery efforts always kind of have that like false peak to them, right? Because everybody's on the bandwagon and getting turkeys back and that's great. And then obviously where you peak isn't reality. Um, and I think we're starting to see some of that. And I think people are, are running into, there's a lot of different reasons. Habitat's one, um, you know, I mentioned trapping earlier, just looking around here and what I see. Yeah. I had a picture two years ago, I, I ran a feeder on a place that I don't actually hunt, but just ran a feeder. And I had 14 raccoons on one walnut tree trying to get into this feeder. Man. That's just on its face. That's not sustainable for turkey populations. And you look at the price of fuel coupled with the price of, fu- of fur and nobody's you know, growing trapping. up. Yeah. Nobody's trapping. And then the other one that it, it just kind of dawned on, like, Growing up, Northeast Indiana, there was always like half the farmers had hounds and ran coons. Well, we're seeing these big, big properties get broken up into smaller. You can't run coon dogs anymore. You're going to cross 15 people's property trying to chase one raccoon through a swamp. So it's it's kind of been very slowly and now all at once. Some of these controls that were in place you know, even before we really had a, a huntable population in northern Indiana, the raccoons were more in check. The possum, it just there was more control happening, and now we're trying to maintain that that healthy population of huntable turkeys. But you've got a predator population that's exploding. You've got CRP contracts that are coming to an end. You've got more acres than ever getting plowed into to beans and corn, and that's great. But 
we talk about habitat and the habitat that those birds need to, to really be successful. And there's no one thing that's stacking up against them. It's a bunch of stuff that's at 50 or 75% of what we would really like it to be for the sustainability of, of the animal. Um, and it's, it's a little, just at least here locally, it's a little troublesome. How yeah, I heard seen the decline in just the last few years. Well, I heard from people in Nebraska that said the, the numbers are down. I heard from people in Missouri that said the numbers are down. I've been saying it uh, for the last couple of years where I'm at in Western Minnesota, numbers are down. And I think you're right. It's a combination of a, of a few things. Somebody brought up a theory about the type of fertilizer that's being used and it, you know, maybe turkey fertilizer is being used and maybe turkeys are getting into it and something is, you know, kind of messing them up uh, disease wise. But the other thing that I heard, and it's something that you alluded to is when turkeys are introduced into an area, I think they, they explode and they do really well. And I know some of the areas where they were introduced fairly recently, there's, there's turkeys everywhere, but then it's almost like they shrink down to what the carrying capacity of that habitat is. And as more and more habitat disappears, that's going to get smaller and smaller. So it almost, it's almost like the, they go up and they peak and then they kind of go back and settle into where they were at. And hopefully they don't disappear like they did way back when. But, and when we were down there in Nebraska, there were raccoons everywhere, all over the place. And uh, uh, everybody, uh, I don't think anybody's trapping him except Sam Soholt. I think he's, he's the only guy that's got those traps out there, which okay. we're going to go get some of those, uh, the, the dog safe traps or whatever. Dog whatever, proof, yeah. Dog proof traps. So easy, yeah. We got a bunch here. In fact, I had found a blue winged teal nest in my yard uh, a week ago or whatever it was, week and a half ago, and uh, put a camera on it, got a little bit of footage of her sitting on the nest in the tall grass. It was pretty neat. And then two days later, I went back out. I was going to put a camera on her again, and the nest was destroyed, and there was broken eggs all over. And that night, we had raccoons and coyotes in the yard making a making mm -hmm. a racket in the middle of the night so there's going to be some predator control happening here soon it's been something that like i said the last couple of years i've gotten a lot more you know because a there's never as much time to hunt as i would like anyway so trying to trying to do things and, and just stay involved and do something different so um been picking up the traps here the last couple of years and uh had had a quite a bit of luck on raccoons and and got into coyotes a couple times last year and you know not even even if fur's not worth anything you know the impact that it has on it, one property it's an 80 acre property i sat it uh five of seven days in early november i saw a coyote every sit mm. Jeez, on and 80 acres on 80 acres yeah Every, I mean, that just, whether it's deer, whether it's turkeys, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. When you've got, when you've got predators that regular, it's, it's time to do something about it. So well, took a 34 pound female off that on my last check day in Indiana this year. Hmm. Um, that's a, that's a healthy coyote. Uh, so taking that female out uh, right at the end of March there as uh, breeding season is, is kind of in full swing. Uh, I'd, have, I'd have happily taken three or four more off, but knowing that uh, one means probably four, or five, four, six, yeah. or seven right. taken out, yeah. I am perfectly content with that. Absolutely. You know, and obviously weather is can still be the number one factor when it comes to determining population levels. Um, habitat 
to coordinate, coordinate that with habitat, of course, so animals can withstand that weather. But we've had some pretty major storms. And Tanner, where, where are you living these days, Tanner? In Bismarck. Oh, you're out in Bismarck. All right. So we this week we had more tornadoes rip through here, western Minnesota. We had one miss us, I don't know, six, seven miles away, something like that. It was pretty close. We were fortunate. We just lost a couple shingles. But a couple of weeks ago in that last storm, tornado ripped through. The tornado literally hit the farm a half mile south of us. And then either it just must have picked up and gone over us or gone right around us. We lost a couple of big trees and a bunch of shingles. But uh, I'm sure, and, and with all the high water that we're getting in a lot of places, there's nests, whether it's waterfowl or turkeys or whatever, there's nests getting wiped out everywhere. And Corey Loeffler sent me a, a, a graphic from, it was a radar image of the, of the storm over Nebraska the other day. And it was just this big giant red blob over Western Nebraska. And it said that they found six inch diameter hail in that storm. I think it was Reed Timmer posted something. He said it was the second largest hailstone he'd ever seen, like six inches or something like that. That's wiping out a lot of critters, man. That's definitely not having a good effect on that. Did you get any of that weather out there in Bismarck? You know, we've had our fair share of rain. We probably have got seven inches in the last month and a half, which is about six and a half more inches than we had the last two years. But (laughs) fingers crossed we haven't had any of the nasty storms, hail, high winds, any of that stuff, just our fair share of precip, which it's kind of a blessing in disguise because last year we had such a bad EHD run with the drought over here that uh, hopefully that's made its course ran through and we can start building back up with our populations. Well, and of course, a lot of our ducks come from your neck of the woods over there too. So some, some good nesting habitat and some water is good for us. Absolutely. Flooding out the nest a little bit. So what's the, what's the craziest trail camera picture somebody sent in to you? Oh, I would have to say, honestly, the one we, I got about three weeks ago, um, a guy had his trail cam set up in the forest and squirrel happened to trigger the, uh, the camera, actually. And in the background, there was a doe giving birth and she ended up giving birth, <laughs> live birth to two fawns that got caught on camera, which what? in the last year since I've been getting a lot of the social media stuff. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy cool stuff between coyotes and bobcats and wolves being caught on camera, but that I would have to say is one of the coolest, most interesting just sequence of photos that I've encountered so far. I'm sure Trent's probably seen a lot of other ones, but that definitely was one of the the highlights. So this was, these are still photos from this event? They are still photos. I shared it probably about two, two weeks ago. All right, so it's on the spy point, okay, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, maybe Dan Dan will maybe try to dig it up here. So it's an image, it's a series of images, a squirrel triggered the camera, and then there was a a, a doe giving birth in the background. Yep, yeah, a squirrel just happened to come by, trigger the camera, and you could see the doe kind of bedded up in the background just a little ways. And then, you know, all of a sudden little fawn comes out and then not too far after it, the second fawn comes out that way. And lo and behold, there's twins that just appeared. So it was, it was just a stroke of luck that that squirrel had triggered it to begin with to even capture the beginning of that sequence. That's pretty cool. Did you say that was from this year? It was, it was actually just from, I want to say within the last three, four weeks is when it actually was captured. All right. That's awesome. What's been, is that been one of the most, uh, like well-received pictures on, uh, that you've had on, on it, your it social has, media? 
It has been, but yet there's times where you think like, okay, this photo is going to blow up because this, like, I mean, it's interesting to see how we have our own personal, what we think is really cool and neat, but yet a <laughs> yeah. hundred and some thousand other audiences totally don't agree or something I think is like, oh yeah, that's just a typical whatever. And all of a sudden, boom, that one blows up. So there's been a lot of different ones that have gone quote unquote viral. Um, in the last six months, that's probably been the biggest one that's gone out there. I'm trying to think. We had a couple this last spring that were pretty high performers, but it's just, there's such a wide variety of content that comes across my email on a daily basis. And some of the it's, ones I'm really it's like- It's never what you think it's gonna be though. It's never the one you think it's gonna be. That's, that's social media in general, I feel like. Uh -huh. I don't know how many times we've spent hours creating a video and put it out there like, oh, this is the best video we've ever made and it does okay. And then we'll, you know, I'll take a picture of my dog pooping or something and it's like a thousand likes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one the one I was thinking of actually was uh, just not too long ago. You know, we have cameras at Spy Point over in Europe and there was a fox pup that had been caught on a Force Pro and we shared that video, which kind of went, I don't know, like 13, some thousand people saw it on Instagram. And I forget how many on Facebook, but it was just one of those like feel good, like cute little uh, fox pup. And so there's so many different things. It's hard to keep track of a lot of them when you think about the amount of content we're trying to put out there on a daily basis just to keep people engaged, but also entertained and throw some great stuff their way. How often do you guys get something sent in? You're like, eh, I don't think I can put this out there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more often than you think. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the big, the biggest thing is we try to always make sure anything we're posting out there is a high quality HD. So we get a lot of stuff sent in that may not be uh, the HD requested version. So it might be a good photo, but until we actually have that high resolution one, we don't really want to push any of that out there just for picture quality purposes. So that's always kind of one of the biggest hindrances uh, at first. You got to tell me something that you've gotten that you can't put out there on social media, something that that's been sent in that you're like, Ooh, <laughs> There's plenty of, you know, let's just say people wandering through the woods that may not have clothes on. I knew there was going to be nudity. Uh -huh. I knew there was going to be nudity. Is, uh -huh. it, is it all men? Is there at least some female in there? I bet it's all, for it's some reason, pretty it's much. All, it's pretty much men. I knew it. I knew that was going to be the answer. Wow. The other thing I thought of, Brett, that we did have that uh, was kind of a unique share, and a guy totally staged his proposal for an engagement with the oh. Link Micro set that up on the shoreline of this bank and had to capture the whole proposal process. So, I mean, there's these cameras are starting to get used for a lot of wide variety of things that just aren't necessarily buck photos or wildlife viewing. And it's, it's cool to see. Did he have his clothes on? He did. Okay, that is, that was one I could share. Okay, good. I, just, I knew he was going to be naked dudes. I just knew that was going to be the answer for some reason. Lowest common denominator. Yeah. It all, it's just always bring it back. <laughs> you know, I had one, I had one a couple of years ago that was a Florida Panther that it was in full pursuit of a big Florida doe. And I mean, right in front of the camera, I was trying to go through my phone and see if I could find it, send it to Dan to show it. It's if you scroll back through the Instagram page far enough, you'll see it. But it was one of those that I'm like, this is, 
like incredible. It was legit incredible. And I spent like two days making sure that it was actually this guy's photo. Cause that's the other thing is, you know, if you're using, using generator content, you always want to make sure you're actually talking to the person that owns the photo Yeah, and posted it. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to blow up. And it was just like another post. I'm like, are you, <laughs> this is like national geographic, like she's dinner now. She did not get out of this situation. And it ended up being more of a pain in my butt than anything because, well, who gave you that photo? Because my cousin Eddie down in Dubuque is the one that actually got, that's an Iowa deer. Like it was a week of a bunch of people saying, no, this was, this isn't his photo. It's this photo. And I'm like, this is just, yeah. (laughs) Social media. Dealing with with social media. I'm, I'm glad Tanner is here now and and Tanner has, has gracefully taken on that mantle of social media manager for spy point. And I can just uh, smile and nod at all the wonderful things that he's doing. Let's just say no two days are ever the same in social media. That is a fact. Do you got some cool? Oh, there it is right there. Aww. Did she say no? Because that would have been, that, I mean, I'm all for their happiness and everything, but that would have been a viral moment. I don't know if you would have necessarily tagged us and shared that with us if she said no, but she did you say yes. Ah, that's great. Congratulations to the happy couple. Uh, that's pretty cool. What? Anything else new uh, with SpyPoint that we should be aware of or any, uh, any announcements or anything coming up in the future we should keep an eye on? Uh, there are. And... Uh, People should just stay tuned. Oh, um, we, uh, that's a teaser for you. We, we, we set it at ATA and it hasn't changed. We set it at shot show and it hasn't changed. Um, we're not done talking about the flex yet, Oh, uh, but there's some other stuff coming to, uh, that people just need to go ahead and stay, stay tuned into spy point. Um, you know, we're easy to find, go to any social media type in spy point. You'll find us. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a YouTube page. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're turning out as much content as just about anybody. Um, you know, we we're doing blogs. We've got a podcast. We've got a couple video series. Um, but, you know, stay tuned to social media uh, for all of the announcements because uh, I know Tanner has been busy filling in that calendar here for the next uh, three, four, six, eight weeks of all the details that are coming because there there is a lot more in the works from SpyPoint. Uh, Flex was not the end. It was the beginning. Uh, we cool. have absolutely no interest in in uh, sitting back and, and letting anybody catch up. We're, we're still bringing more new stuff. So. Be sure to stay tuned. And why should people join the Insiders Club? Why shouldn't they? Um, <laughs> that's there's a, there's a lot of really great benefits there. Um, you know, obviously, first and foremost, you know, running cell cameras, getting your photos is the most important thing. We do offer that free photo transmission plan, which a lot of people stay away from cell cams because I think they can't afford the transmission plans. But we're offering 100 free photos every month. You can buy a spy point camera and never spend a dollar on a photo transmission plan. You know, so that's great. You're going to get that hundred photos, but if you're an insider club member, you're going to get automatically upgraded to that basic plan. So you're not getting a hundred free every month. You're getting 250 free. So depending on where your camera's placed, that might even be all you need. So you got that going for you. Um, you know, our buck tracker filters, we were the ones that pioneered that AI filtering technology to be able to just tap a button and say, I just want to see pictures with antlers in them. You know, we were the first ones to do that, but now we've also got hog. We've got 
uh, doe, we've got turkey, we've got bear, we've got moose, we've got human activity. Um, you, so you unlock all the rest of those filters. You extend your photo look back from 30 days to a year. So you've got a full year of your photo history uh, available to you there. All kinds of exclusive giveaways for insiders. Um, I don't know if anybody was paying attention. We uh, went, we gave away a prize pack worth like $75,000 here this last year. Brand new Toyota pickup truck, a hunt for two in Texas, a Rogue Ridge e-bike, a bow package. You know, and that was, that was just for being uh, a member of the Insiders Club on the Hunting Rig Road Trip. We're giving away prizes every month. Sometimes they're spy point prizes, but we've given away grills from camp chef we've given away deemer box speakers we've given away just all kinds of really cool prizes um so you you've got that there for you as well it's it really it just it completes it completes uh everything that you need and uh again people might want to be staying tuned to spy point to see what else is going to be unlocked for insiders later this year very cool. Spypoint.com is the website. Trent Marsh, Tanner Turney, thanks for the time today. It's a pleasure. You, Thank you. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Time now to head up to Lake of the Woods to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism, who was just up at Lake of the Woods here earlier this week. Joe, how you doing? Tell you what, man. Got some good walleyes, Brett. Yeah, I, I've heard fishing's been great. I know the water's a little high up there. What was it like when you were up there? You know, water's high in all of northern Minnesota, and the, the, the water is definitely high. I mean, the river is really running, and they're catching fish in the river, but it's really running. And, uh, yeah, the lake is high, too. And tell you what, man, you know, resorts, if you're a resort owner, you have to be one resilient person because they're constantly dealing with adversity of some type, you know, whether it's marketing or pandemics or gas prices that are four, four and a quarter. I mean, there's always something you got to overcome. And that's why they're, you know, they're entrepreneurs. They make the experience good for the customers regardless. And, you know, right now there's some high water up there. So a lot of our resorts have had to, you know, uh, do some things to their docks. Some of them made a double dock. Some of them have, you know, and there shows an example, some docks underwater, but now that resort, for instance, wouldn't be using that dock. They'd be using another alternative dock where they either built it up or they have a floating dock that they drive over the charter boats over to. Or, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing things to make it work. So people are getting out fishing and luckily fishing's good. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been dealing with some adversity, but it's not keeping people from getting up there and doing fi going fishing. No, it's not. But, you know, I tell you, from you know, it's not. And, and from a resort perspective, though, I mean, think about like building double docks. I saw one resort that actually built a brand new dock on top of where the do other dock is, like two feet higher. Another another one has two floating docks that they pick everybody up at. I mean, they're, they're doing what they got to do to make it happen. And they're, they're very resourceful, as you can imagine. Well, that's what you got to do. I mean, they've de they've dealt with quite a bit over the last few years, and they've they've learned uh, they they learned to make it through. But uh, that just makes that just means I want to go up there and give them some business even more to help them through it, of course. And uh, I'm excited to get up there later this summer. How was it? You were just up there. How was the fishing, Joe? Yeah, you know what? Um, I was just up there. Fishing was really, really good. So we shot a TV show uh, with a, a gentleman by the name of John Bergsma, who's got Fisherman's Digest. And he, uh, his show, Brett, airs on a number of national networks. And 
and um, and some regional ones as well. And um, we we decided to do kind of a family show on a charter boat. So we went out with um, uh, Jimmy Nye, who was with Adrian's Resort. And, you know, when we did the TV show, it's a tourism show. So we didn't let anybody know which resort we went out with. But we went out with, you know, uh, uh, him and his, his daughter and his son-in-law. And then myself and John Bergsma and a videographer. And well, I tell you, we went out to, to do a jigging show. And we hit our first spot. Man, we started catching fish right one after the other. And we none of us had really been out fishing recently. But we caught a lot of walleyes jigging over the side of the boat. We went to another spot and we kitted our own because all we caught there was saugers, a couple keepers, but it was a sauger hole. And then we shot to another area. We left fish just because we we'd heard of some fish biting in another spot. And, and the first spot, we really didn't catch anything. The second spot we pulled up to before the anchor was even dropped. Um, Becca dropped her uh, jig in the water and caught a 26 incher. Mm. And then we, we ended up whacking a bunch of walleyes there. And then on the way home, we, we had we were throwing real nice eaters back because we had all of our walleyes, you know, for five people. We had, uh, a, you know, a few keeper saugers, and then we had two jumbo perch. So we were coming back, and we're like, well, we got plenty extra time, and we got our, our limit early. Let's uh, see if we can't catch some big walleyes. So we stopped at two different big fish spots that I would call a big fish spot. And in both locations, we did not connect. Uh, there, were just, there weren't a lot of fish around, and there were deep, deep rock humps coming out of the mud. Uh, both spots were, but yeah. So I mean, incredible fishing, and, and that's. I mean, I, I can tell you, people are trolling cranks on both sides of Pine Island, all around it, catching their limits of walleyes. People are out in front of um, uh, the Morris Point Gap. They're over by Zippel Bay Resort. They're out of Long Point, out of Twin Rocks. I mean, uh, up at the Angle. I was just there last week, as you know, and heck, they're they're still catching a ton of walleyes up there. So fishing right now is really, really good if you want to catch a bunch of walleyes. What kind of water temps did you see up there? Uh, right now, we're looking um, <clears throat> at uh, high 40s. Hmm. Last week when I was up at the Northwest Angle, it was 46. And uh, yesterday, we're looking at the, the high 40s. So we when we were on the we, – we went up to the northern part of Big Traverse Bay, and I caught a couple of males that were still milking. Oh. So it's hmm. just, you know, just kind of getting done. And uh, it's, it's, you know, a little bit further north, so water's still a little chilly. Sure. And you were just jigging over the side, so I'm uh, assuming a shiner and probably a gold jig, Joe? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? So I went to the bait store to grab some uh, crawlers in case we wanted a driftless spinners, and we already had the frozen shiners. And the bait store uh, owner said, all right, you got to try this jig. you got to try this jig. And I think it was from Mission Tackle. Normally, I use Tom's Tackle jigs up there. They're so good. But uh, this was a Mission Tackle jig. And what it was, it was a, a gold-headed jig with kind of that prism, kind of that disco ball look. And then it had some tinsel, some red tinsel on it. Hmm. And, of course, I put my, my emerald shiner. That worked great, but quite honestly, so did the Tom's Tackle jigs. Normally, Brett, I like using that. Uh, my go-to jig up there is that one that's a gold jig, but then the very front of it is painted glow white, and then it has a strip of pink, and then the back part of that jig is gold. That is a good jig. Um, but, you know, those bright colors like that, and certainly gold. Yes, gold. I did use gold. <laughs> and it gold worked again. Yes, it did. Gold on like gold and leg of the woods. You can't really go wrong with that. Um, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna be seeing you here in a few days, right in St. Cloud. Yeah, we're gonna be hanging out, man. We're gonna be doing a little bit of a, as they'd say networking, and then we're also gonna be as seminar speakers as well, aren't we? Uh, we are. Yeah, uh, this will be my first time going to this. this is gonna be this is gonna be a good time for me. It's gonna be a good time, yeah. You know, we got a, a tourism group called the Minnesota Association Convention and Visitor Bureaus, and it's destination leaders like myself, um, as well as some vendors and, and other stakeholders in the industry, 
explore Minnesota tourism. We have some lobbyists, things like that. But we all come together and we uh, we have education and, and different things regarding tourism in the state of Minnesota. And uh, very good meetings. We have a two-day conference that's taken place in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, so they have a really a neat, neat uh, uh, venue set up with not only education, but also we're going to, of course, have some networking events where you get to know each other and have some dinners and, and pub crawls and things like that. That's part of the conference, of, unfortunately, right, Brent? Yeah, unfortunately. And I'm going to yeah. be speaking, talking about content creation. And I have a feeling, Joe, uh, I'll be showing some videos and it's most likely going to have a lot of Lake of the Woods content in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I'll tell you, you know, I think it's cool because, you know, you what you do for your life is content creation of all different types. And, you know, to be able to share that with other people who aren't so good at it is very, very important. And uh, um, so I think it's a nice opportunity for you. I know it's a nice opportunity for the tourism industry to to hear a few words of wisdom from you and Danny. And, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be great. I also know uh, uh, somebody else that you do some work with, Eric Osberg, is also going to be mm-hmm. presenting on, on video creation. And Eric is really, really talented in that regard. So it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really happy that uh, I got some friends of mine coming into the conference and sharing uh, some expertise. Well, and I'm glad that Eric's there and I'm glad you're there and that I'm going to be there because uh, there'll be such a, a lot of talk about fishing as part of what we do and how important it's important that they all realize how important fishing is to the economy and to tourism in Minnesota. Well, that's very true. And, and tourism is absolutely critical to Minnesota's tourism. You know, Brett, we, Minnesota, you know, land of 10,000 lakes, but you know, you think about the diversity we have in the state for fishing. I mean, you know, I'm up at Lake of the Woods and we, we promote, of course, walleye is our big thing, but you know, we're, we're promoting muskies. We promote sturgeon fishing. That's a different niche. We promote our ice fishing. We have the rainy river runs in the spring and in the fall. Um, you think about all the niches we have for fishing, but then you look at the state. You know, we got the driftless area down in the southeast corner of Minnesota. That, you know, they call it the driftless area because there's all natural hills and canyons and stuff down there that the glaciers didn't shave off. And then, of course, you got central Minnesota and all the, the natural lakes are a little shallower. As you get up into northern Minnesota, I mean, you, I, you got the deeper lakes, you got a combination. But look at the fishing we have. Look at the bass fishing we have in Minnesota. And I, you know, I'm not a bass guy, I'm more of a walleye guy, but I kid around with them. My, my buddy's a bass guy, but we have <laughs> such good bass fishing in Minnesota. Look at our rivers in the smallmouth bass. Um, I mean, every part of our state has something to offer. And, and that's coming from the guy that uh, has Lake of the Woods in his heart. So I, I just think that when we take a look at what our opportunities are, not only for residents, but also for tourists coming to Minnesota, you know, we really have something to offer. And I think we have some opportunities um, and, and promoting it just a little bit better than we do. Absolutely. And I want Minnesota to keep promoting walleye fishing here, of course, because uh, it's walleye is king here. And I grew up with bass and now I, I fish walleye mostly, but just had a conversation with Eric Osberg about walleye versus bass too. And as we do more and more in the fishing industry, bass is just nationwide, uh, kind of about as big as it gets. And there's so much industry involved in bass fishing and bass fishing in minnesota can be especially some of the smallmouth fishing can be world class so uh, there's some incredible bass fishing opportunities here i'll probably i'll, I'll bass fish i'll bass fish but i'll probably stick to walleyes mostly and well you know it's uh, funny i i fish uh, i fish uh, uh, in central minnesota you know i uh, i've I, I fish uh, some some leagues and you know in those leagues you know, if I'm going to fish walleyes during the summer, I'm going to get my butt handed to me by the bass guys because mm. you're always going to catch bass. Mm. So I've had to learn how to catch bass. And then if I catch my six bass and get my limit, 
that means I've earned the right to fish for the king of all fish. And that is the one. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, people I'm just want kidding to- all my bass friends. Don't get, don't throw stuff on my bass <laughs> friends. I'm kidding if around. People want to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods. Uh, what should they do, Joe? Yeah, you know what? Hey, check out our website. We've got everything there and a real good tool to plan. And that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, we'll see you in St. Cloud. Sounds great. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Well, we're into the swing of things now here. If you like to fish, uh, the best time of the year is upon us, and it's only going to keep getting better and better. And we're going to go up to Ottertail Lakes Country now to check in with Eric Osberg and see how fishing is up there in Ottertail County. Eric, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Uh, I can finally focus on on fishing. You know, you spring, you got turkey hunting, you got some snow goose hunting. It's one of those times where you have to, it's almost like fall where you have to decide if you want to hunt, if you want to fish, whatever. Well, now I can just focus on fishing for the next couple of months. That's all I'm going to be doing. Uh, multi-species from walleye to pike and lake trout and of course bass fishing up there and, uh, and panfish. We're going to try to get up and do some pan fishing yet up there in panfish paradise. But, the you know, I remember one of the first times I ever fished in any sort of competitive fishing tournament. I haven't done it a lot, but the first one I ever did was in Ottertail County, and it was for bass fishing. There's a little bass fishing tournament. It's a small one. And uh, I ended up catching a really nice smallmouth. And for whatever reason, I was thinking it was going to be all largemouth, and I was pretty excited when I found out I could catch some smallies up there. Yeah, there's more and more smallmouth bass fishing opportunities. Um, and, and I, I mean, if I had to choose between largemouth and smallmouth, I would, I love catching smallmouth. I mean, if, if you said, Eric, you can only fish for one species of fish the rest of your life. And if I had to choose, I would probably choose smallmouth bass. Uh, there's a few handful of lakes that have good smallmouth bass populations. Clithral Lake is a, is a fairly large lake that, that, that doesn't get a lot of fishing pressure. And Clitheral is a, is a great multi-species lake. There's good crappies, there's good walleyes, and there's smallmouth bass. Um, what's another one? Lake, uh, lake Lida up by Pelican Rapids. Uh, last year we had a high school event, and, and my boat didn't figure it out, but the boats that figured out the smallmouth bite, smallmouth bite they, did, they did really well that night. And uh, there's there's a couple others that I won't name, but uh, but there's some really good and and as far as largemouth bass fishing goes, there's just there's some giant bass up here. Um, interesting, yeah. There you go. There's that's Willie and I on an unnamed lake. That was our our most recent uh, outing 
Oh, I um, recognize those trees in the background. Eric. Did you see those trees? Yeah. See that? Those clouds? <laughs> those clouds look familiar? <laughs> um, no, and so uh, as far as if you're into bass fishing, and, and, and what's weird about this part of the world is, is you know, bass get a bad rap and, oh, they're easy to catch and, you know, oh, you're just a bass fisherman or whatever. I, the rest of the world doesn't seem to think that way. I mean, bass, bass fishing. Is huge. Bass is huge, yeah. like, you know, nationwide. And so um, bass fishing opportunities, you have legit, you know, I think our biggest bass that Willie and I got that night was a large mouth. It was 18 and a half inches. And this was a, you know, a Tuesday night. We were only out for a couple hours. Uh, the large mouth or small mouth we got. Yeah, there's there's uh, Willie right at, right at sunset. Um, what's interesting about that night was, so again, this is a, about a week ago. And so the, the water temps aren't, today what they were then but but we were early as far as bass fishing goes the water temps were still in the low to mid 50s and we were expecting the bass to be out deeper not necessarily up on their beds or anything like that so we we're fishing these eight to ten feet of water and and we were struggling we weren't windmilling bass and so willie likes to skip docks that's one of his favorite ways to fish for bass and and I could sense that he wasn't necessarily bored, but he wasn't in a great mood because we weren't catching a bunch of fish. And so there was a stretch that had some docks and I'm like, you want to go throw at those docks? He's like, sure. Cause, cause that's kind of whether or not you catch a fish, you know, can you skip it under that dock? That's, that's a game in and of itself. So it gives somebody, you know, some, a new game to play. And, uh, and yeah. So once he started skipping under docks, boom bass boom bass boom bass so it was it was it was fun for me as a dad because you know watching your kids stand on a bow of a boat sling a a wacky rig under a dock and i don't just mean you know under the first like there was a couple where he was like like way back in the back of the dock he got hooked up one time and the fish had him yeah right there you go right there right so there was one fish uh, he had, he was hooked up, and the fish wrapped around a pole under the dock, and he was able to keep the tension on it, and 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 get it back, and get it back, and he and he landed it. So, I I, I don't know what we learned that night, other than <laughs> other than uh, if it isn't working, change something maybe, and yeah. don't be afraid to try try skipping a few docks, even if if common sense would tell you now is not the time to do it. I, I grew up bass fishing and I, I, uh, I loved casting at docks and trying not to hit the pontoon sitting next to them, you know, yeah. ringing, ringing the old dinner bell, but yeah. it, it does become a challenge and it's fun. Even if you're not catching, um, you're doing something and you're practicing casting and your, 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 uh, your accuracy is improving and things like that. So that can be a lot of fun, you know, and I, I used to catch, I used to fish for bass a lot and we'd catch bass and I've made my jokes about bass versus walleye and Dan, Dan and I, I've been talking about it quite a bit recently because grew up fishing for bass, got into walleyes, have, have fished mostly walleyes now. But the more the more I'm getting into the the fishing industry side of things and not just recreationally fishing, but the more I'm doing with, you know, product shoots or media trips or things like that, it's bass fishing. Like the bass fishing industry is giant. And I'm sure part of that is because bass live everywhere, you know, pretty much in the country. You can find largemouth bass just about everywhere and some smallies here and there. But the bass fishing industry, if you want to be 
in the industry of fishing, you know, a big portion of it is going to be dealing with bass. And with all these high school fishing teams and the college fishing teams, they're introducing all these kids and bass fishing is one of the, the primary uh, for, you know, forms of entry for these, for these fishing programs. What a, what a great way to get people into it. And if it's going to be bass, I'm all for it. What it. Whatever it takes to get them into it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the high school fishing league. There was a, we had a, we had a tournament one time on West Battle Lake last summer. And I've never really thought about West Battle Lake as a, as a bass lake. Interesting side note, the state record smallmouth bass for Minnesota was caught in West Battle Lake. It was I an eight didn't pound realize smallmouth. that. Yeah. How much? It, it, eight pounds. There was an eight pound smallmouth bass caught out of West Battle Lake. And you West can go to the. Yeah, no, I'm not saying there's a healthy population there anymore. I don't know what happened to them. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> they're all but, gone. They're not they're there anymore. Gone. Don't go yeah, there. Uh. Yeah, yeah. No, West Battles. And so we, we were in this high school event and it was, it, we were, Willie was throwing a big jungle jig in the front of the boat and he caught a lot of 17, 18 inch largemouth bass. Hmm. And, and it was just, it was a, like our boat. And then my other kid, my other student angler, he, he, he caught a bunch of bass on spinner baits and crank baits and, we just had a hoot, you know, it was just a really good time. We did, I don't, maybe we placed like top five or something like that. We didn't win, but, but we caught fish for two and a half hours. Yeah. We caught fish and it. And I, I talk about this a lot. If you're bringing kids fishing, there's West battle right there. Um, Clitheroe, do you see Clitheroe right below it? Mm-hmm. Clitheroe is a really good smallmouth lake. The only disadvantage to Clitheroe on the south side is the only access on the lake, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty small access. But, uh, yeah, you see the little boat ramp there? Mm-hmm. But Clitheral's a very underfished, very underappreciated uh, crappie lake. It's got good walleyes. There's muskies in there, too. Clitheral Lake is 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 under underutilized, in my humble opinion. Like, I, I never fish it. I never fish. I fished it, like, twice in my life. Uh, West Battle, though, right, like you were like you were showing there, Dan, that's a really good fishery. And West Battle, there's been some, I hate to even bring it up, but there's been some controversy in the past because the DNR does manage it for muskies. And so hmm. people have, you know, have opinions about whether that's a good thing or not for the fishery. Uh, I can tell you that muskie oh, fishing deep. on what, yeah, super deep. I can tell you muskie fishing on West Battle is awesome. Um Crappie fishing is awesome. Bluegill fishing is awesome. Bass fishing is awesome. Uh, walleye fishing can be challenging, but but it can be challenging on on yeah hmm. on on any lake. So well, I will say this too about bass fishing, uh, particularly when it comes with the how big the industry is, and then introducing all these kids in uh, fishing leagues and fishing teams, high school, college, whatever, is they're a fun fish to catch. There's usually a lot of action. They they can be easier to catch. Some the big ones are obviously harder, but they jump out of the water. You can catch them on top water. It's exciting. It's fun. And 99% of the time you throw them back. So it's 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 like a renewable resource essentially. It's a it's a sustainable if you were going to pick a fish to be this popular in the fishing industry, whether it comes to tournaments or business or kids leagues or whatever, how great to pick a fish like that, that there's so many of them, you can catch them in a lot of places. And then you also, you know, you're catching and releasing 
almost almost all the time so you're putting all these fish back and bass you get, i've caught the same bass you know two casts in a row half the time like they're they can be fun to catch and they're not too picky i mean sometimes if you sting them they don't they won't bite again for a couple of days but a lot of times uh you can catch that same fish over and over again so that's great yeah the the analogy that i use is a cat a, a bass is like a dog right like you do dogs and cats. And I, I'm not a cat guy myself. I don't have anything against cats. I just, <laughs> I've never developed a relation. You know, has anybody ever developed a relationship with a cat? No. I'm sure some, I'm sure someone, someone has, but it's, but a, a bass is like a dog, right? Like you walk in the door and the dog is happy to see you. And when you leave, the dog is sad you're going. <laughs> and when you're down in the dumps, the dog jumps on your lap and you get to pet it. And and so I think bass are a lot like dogs. And like so therapy great. fish. Yeah, they're like therapy fish, and, and and why and why not why not take advantage of that? Why why make fishing any harder than it yeah. needs to be? Um, Absolutely. Why not Why not go just set set the hook and catch? My father in law, who's pert near eighty, or set I don't he's in his seventies. Let's just say that he never fished growing up. Like he didn't start fishing till four or five years ago, and they have a place on East Silent Lake. And he is now, I would say he's an angler now. And it's thanks to bass, right? Like if, if we had trolled around that lake looking for walleyes every time, he'd be like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to go. But he likes going, you know, he, he likes catching fish. And so he, he's a, I'd say he's a, he's a good bass fisherman now. Yeah, it's fun. And cat, like when I growing up, I hated trolling. It was boring, the whole thing. Now I must just be a glutton for punishment because I'll troll for walleyes all day long, even if I don't get bit at all. And I'll just be like, ah, well, that sucked, but let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> well, it, it's the, that's that, 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 that you're showing your age a little bit there, too, because that's Probably. plain easy, right? Put putting yeah. something in a rod holder and just going and, <laughs> and trolling for I, hey, And I love trolling for walleyes too there's don't get me wrong i'm not yeah. against trolling for walleyes that's one of my favorite activities especially when it's dark so. well and I, I feel like maybe we should be talking about casting for walleyes more and more it seems to be getting more yeah. and more popular and we'll save that for a future show though once again and eric if people want to come up and do some bass fishing or other fishing in otter tail lakes country what should they do they can find their inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com